Welcome to The Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. As a leading manifestation advisor with a process that's, well, radically different from the old New Age model, mine is rooted in psychology, neuroscience, and my energetic gifts. Therefore, I created this podcast to help you expand your subconscious limiting beliefs about the potential of deserving the manifestations you are calling in. In each episode, we'll walk through my expanders, a term in my manifestation formula signaling the people that already embody, have, or are successful in what we are looking to call in. These are the people that we witness through our mirror neurons on a subconscious level that expand us into knowing that our manifestations are possible as well especially when we hear about their background, their upbringing, their trials and tribulations, and any of their pitfalls that they had to experience along the way. Therefore, you're tuning into this podcast series to show your subconscious that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, you've already started the process of manifesting it. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us our review, comment, and share it with your fellow manifester that's struggling or could really benefit from the information that you're about to learn. Welcome back to the podcast and I'm so excited. The new year is right around the corner. This is, uh, I love this time of year. And there's just so much magic that can await everybody in 2019 or so much growth and so many tests that simply mean what you've been calling in wants to come through. So it's a win-win. But today I want to talk about the trigger of being feeling too complacent to be able to follow your dreams or passions. And I think that's a really good topic right before the new year, because I think this is something a lot of people struggle with, not knowing their purpose or feeling complacent because they don't know how to take their next step. And what that's called is a rut. <laughs> and all a rut is when you decode the energetics, it's the fact that one person or a person has been programmed a certain type of system that their life has to look like in order to be happy. And so that means in their subconscious mind, they've only been shown one particular way to go about it or different avenues to go about that particular path. And it usually doesn't line up with their complete authenticity or gifts. So I like to describe a rut as if this person or one person, any a lot of people, tend to be on this, let's say, road and journey. So we'll call that the inauthentic path that's sort of been fed to them. You know, the gross generalization of what this path looks like is go to school, uh, go to college, get married, work some type of corporate nine to five job, retire and die. That's <laughs> sort of like what society feeds that model to look like. And for the person who feels like they're really in a rut, and this doesn't have to just be about career, but I'm just tailoring to that because of following our dreams and feeling complacent in this particular trigger. So let's say 
the way this analogy looks is that that particular person's on the societal programming road and their actual authentic gifts, the gifts they've been born with, across the lake on a different road. And the only thing that needs to come together is learning our authentic code and then going about shifting up our life to reflect only our authentic code. That's the first step to fully get onto that path and kind of jump off of that cliff. And so that's why we're putting out up level, which obviously has three workshops in one. Most of you have heard of this so far. It's a workshop tailored for the rut, for the complete rock bottomer who's just been totally earthquaked out of their security through something that feels devastating, and for the person who's magnetic and already manifesting how they can take it to the next level. And the beauty of going through the rut, if you are identifying with being on this road of complacency and knowing that you do have dreams out there and passions that you're ready to follow, you just don't know what they are and you don't know how to execute them, you would head into the rut and you would take that to kind of kick off this new year. And then after you complete it and you've totally completed the work out of it, you would then move into next level. You would also probably at the end of it work on something like opulence would be very helpful to really look at career and dreams. The other thing I want to talk about too, feeling complacent while knowing that there's a bigger picture for you out there. Usually complacency can just consist of fear of execution. That's also what procrastination consists of. It's just we're afraid to be perfect at the next step. Therefore, we don't even try because we're afraid of the failure that will come with it. So when we can identify that, it's very simple to take it through the DRE, the daily reprogramming exercise. Where did we pick up this block? Why did we pick up this block? Let's reprogram this block and then look at the next five baby action steps we can take towards our goal. So just know that when you're working with complacency, all you're working with is the fear of perfection, of failing at your next step. When you can break it down like that and see what it's all about, it gets a lot easier to take those next tiny baby five steps. And of course, a lot of little steps uh, result in one very big change. So I just wanted to chat on that as we are going into the new year. I'm so excited for this year. I already, for me, am foreseeing so many incredible things happen. I mean, they're already happening in December, so I know there's a lot in the making for this year. And I'm excited to share that journey with you guys. And I just want to take this moment to wrap up by saying a huge thank you. I can't even tell you. I mean, we launched this podcast this year. We've shifted so much. We're a team of, I think, eight right now. My life has totally dramatically changed. And I know that so many of your lives have totally dramatically changed. So next year, you have some really exciting things to look forward to. We are doing, I'm doing a speaking tour all through the West Coast, the East Coast in Europe. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Right now, I'm currently working on the book with our book agent. So that's a very exciting thing. And there are a lot of really new, exciting offerings that are going to come out this year. Namely, we already know there's going to be a DI album. There's going to be some new workshops, um, really exciting stuff. And we are completely launching a rebrand on January 1st. So keep your eyes out for that. We're a whole new name. Um, we've kind of outgrown the brand that I started four years ago that was just a holistic living blog. And, and this new brand is kind of our grown-up version. So as of January 1st, you're going to kind of see the whole new look and feel. And I'm so excited to have you as part of that community. Today, I welcome Bo Carney, who I have to say 
I think she's just my expander in so many things. I think namely being super chic and beautiful and running an incredible company with her co-founder and husband of my favorite stores in Los Angeles, which are called Mohawk General Store. Um, I have been a fan of these, I want to say, year two since they opened, which has been many years now. I remember being so broke and heading in and just being able to buy like a keychain. <laughs> or soap. But I did feel like I was buying into the lifestyle that I knew was in alignment with my aesthetic and design. And it's so beautiful to now get to meet with Bo and talk about her whole experience of how they even came to start this company, which was nothing like you think. They didn't have a lot of money behind it. And it was sort of a ping that came to them and everything sort of lined up and they had to go through their own experience of learning the business model and how to make a store and how to buy for a store. So you'll find it very expansive if you've ever been interested to be an entrepreneur, especially in something like having a flagship or a retail experience. I think you'll find this incredibly expansive if you live in another country and you're looking to transplant, um, as Bo did from Korea, which was completely out of the norm for her and what her family expected of her. She really followed her heart, her passion, and her art. Um, I think you'll find it incredibly expansive as a love story for people seeking relationships. Also, she became a mother this last year. I mean, I think there's just loads of expansion in here. And again, I'm just going to loop around and say, I think everybody will find her to be a style expander. <laughs> so kick back, enjoy this episode, and uh, let it keep you inspired into the new year. Welcome, guys, to the Expanded Podcast. We are back here today with the highly requested. We keep we keep getting so many requests that are like, can we have somebody that's a designer or you know is in business? And so I thought, well, yeah, I want to bring in both in one person. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have Bo Carney, which is co-founder of my favorite store in LA. Everybody knows because we link to them all the time, Mohawk General Store, which has just had the 10-year anniversary. And well, now it's going to be next week. Next We're going to have a party. You'll get so the by invite. the time they yeah. hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and how many stores now? Four? Uh, we have two in Silver Lake, one in Santa Monica. We recently had to close our Pasadena one. Ah. It was like a landlord issue. Oh, uh, no. But it's okay. It's great. Yeah, it's fine because now we're opening a new one <gasps> yes. next door to. Well, actually, between the men's and women's stores in Silver Lake. So. Smock. Yes. Tell us about... I love Smock P.S. I have <laughs> a couple of pieces. I remember getting the first pants that you guys put out that had sort of the flare. Not the flare, but the slit, which yeah, were amazing, yeah. the crops. And then this season I have, which is available now for anybody listening, but the most beautiful dress, um, the white one. Thank you. I mean, yeah, so it... Now Smock will have its own home and Amazing. will create its own little universe. It's in, in the, its own the little slip in between. the little store, yeah. Well, let's start from the beginning. Tell us your cultural background and upbringing. Um, I was born in Korea, wow. in Seoul. And I think when I was a little over one, my little brother had just been born. My parents decided to move to Vienna, Austria. Whoa, beautiful. Yeah, it was really beautiful. My my dad was working in the embassy mm -hmm. there. I don't know. He's like a explorer, adventurer type. So we decided to move there and we grew up, I don't know, four or five years. Wow. And then his work took him to Dallas. Mm. 
whoa. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, where are we? I know. I think it was kindergarten. Wow. And so we were like, you know, uprooted from this kind of amazing European idyllic upbringing into like suburban America. Wow. And um, yeah, we spent, I think, around six years in Dallas before my father decided he wanted to start his own business. And there was a business opportunity back in Korea. Wow. So then we moved back to Korea when I was 12. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I do have this like kind of international kind of upbringing, but... um, after 12, we stayed in Korea. Mm. So I spent middle school, high school, college, um, even, you know, a few years working in Korea. So, you know. Wow. And so how many like languages do you speak? I think, like, naturally, I speak Korean and English. Yeah. And I do speak a little bit of Italian mm-hmm. and Chinese mm-hmm. because I studied in China and Italy as well. Wow. Oh, my gosh. This is so fun. So what brought you back to the States? Well, when I was studying in Italy, um, this was, you know, a few years. It was like in my Mm mid-20s. I decided I wanted to um, do this course in Italy. And it was fashion business. And it was like a one-year course. And while I was there, I met Kevin. Wow. So you guys met ages ago. Yeah, in Italy. And, you know, it just kind of... It just happened. It was like like an explosion. Like we just met and then we were kind of inseparable. Wow. And then my school course finished and he was there for work and like he didn't need to stay extra weeks or anything, but he just stayed until my school thing was done. And then we went our separate ways. I went to Seoul. I went back to Seoul and he went back to LA Mm -hmm. and we kept in touch and, you know, we got married Wow, you within guys just the year, knew. yeah, within a year. Mm-hmm. What are your signs? I'm a Scorpio. Okay, and Kevin's a Libra. And you just had your birthday. Yeah, yay! Happy birthday! Thank you. It was <laughs> wow. last week, actually. I think. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's so. How long have you guys been married now? Almost eleven years. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And how long after getting married did you guys birth Mohawk General Store together? So that was. 2007. So within another year of me moving here, we had opened Mohawk. Wow. What, I mean, that's incredible. How old were you at the time? I think I was 29. Wow. So in your Saturn return, you just knew what to do. And yeah. tell us, give us a little bit of the trials and tribulations of putting that together, the store together, and how you guys knew it was possible. Maybe Kevin had experience or you had experience. How did you guys figure out, like, we're going to set up the store in Silver Lake, come hell or high water? (laughs) Yeah, it it kind of just happened. Like, we weren't really looking for a space. We weren't planning to open a store. Like, none of this was actually planned. I think it was brewing inside of us, Mm -hmm. but... It wasn't like specified in any way. Mm-hmm. So we were, the first store was opened in Echo Park. Oh, on that's Mohawk right. Street. Somebody told me that actually yeah. recently. We what were there for own- two years before we moved to Silver Lake. Okay. But um, we were told to visit a store in Echo Park. And we've, it's no longer there anymore, but it was on Mohawk Street. Okay. And then as we were walking back to the car, we saw a little space with a lease sign in it. And 
something prompted us to just call the number. Wow. A We're ping. Like, That's what I call you those. You know what? It, like out of curiosity, mm-hmm. what would this thing cost? And we called and it was, you know, a very, very reasonable price. Mm-hmm. And we were like, huh, that's how much retail spaces are? Mm-hmm. We were like, oh, that's so doable. Like we just have to sell a few pairs of shoes and make rent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially back then in Echo Park. It yeah. wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Everything was so cheap. So we called the landlord and somehow ended up signing a lease. And so it just flowed. Yeah. Like, oh, three months deposit. That's like this much. Like wow. here, you know, it's not like we had a lot of money or anything, but it just was, seemed so reasonable. It's such and, a good note for the person who thinks that their dreams are really lofty. That when you actually, because for me, I'm a yeah. great example. I was like, especially living in Los Angeles now for 14 years, yeah. buying a house to me felt so abstract. Yeah. Um, and then when I actually just called a loan officer and my stepmom, yeah. who is a realtor, and I was like, what does that actually look like? And can I do it? And they were like, you can definitely do this. So it's such a good note for the person who's listening, where you're just curious about your dream. Actually follow the steps and just see what it looks like. And if it feels too big, go look at a space or a something that's less. Yeah, sometimes I think your like your brain gets in the way where you kind of make these excuses of how oh it's not going to work out, it's not going to it's going to be too expensive or you know all the these fears. things that yeah. you just and then you end up not doing it and you just talked yourself out of something. Exactly. It happens. Um, but on that day, we just followed through. Wow. And then one thing led to another. We got this space. And then we're like, okay, now we have the space. Now we have to like do something with it. And it just kind of flowed really naturally. And so how was it for you guys? Did you have former experience in the buying process? Because that's a whole thing. You go to market. I mean, I don't know yeah. what it was like then. What did that look like for it's you? It's very different now too. Back then... I studied fashion business, but it was like more of a general course. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't like training to be a buyer or anything. We just had like this general idea of what to do. So the reality of it was very different. And we just learned as we went. We we're wow. like, okay, um, we need to fill the store. Who do we know? Who do we know that, you know, has products? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, being in LA, yeah, yeah, you all have your so friends. many friends yeah. who already are <laughs> making things. And yeah. we're like, Let's just call like these five people, mm-hmm. see what they have. Mm-hmm. And we gathered all this stuff and like merchandised it and made it look cute. And that's how we started. Like wow. we weren't on, we didn't know what the buying calendar looked like at mm-hmm. that point. We didn't know which designers were showing where, like none of that was there in the beginning. We just learned like with each season, we learned it more and more. Like we made a lot of mistakes. But what would be some of those for the person listening who's like, this seems still so big for me, so hard? Like, for example, you know, you think that you have to fill the store with stuff to make money, which in theory is that's what they teach you at school. But sometimes you're so caught up in that that you just buy stuff. Yeah. That when you don't even like it and. I'm like, why did I buy this? <laughs> totally. <laughs> and yeah. you know, like, okay, next time I'm not going to buy like that. Next yeah. time I'm just going to, you know, stick with my instincts and do it like this, not what books or what you, you know. think you should do. Yeah. I, that's such good advice for yeah. anybody listening. <laughs> the way I talk about it in manifestation is if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. And I think this is so 
applicable to that process of curation, you know, of any type of brand or store or company is really curating with what inspires you and lights you up. Another note too, I don't know if you guys feel like you navigate this way, but do you guys look to bring in things now that you know your customer base will like, or do you still come from the space of more your inspiration? And then that's what you introduce to your customer base. I think it has to be a balance of both. Mm -hmm. Uh, We definitely consider our customers, but if we don't personally like it or we wouldn't put it in our house or we wouldn't put it in our closet, it doesn't go in the store. Awesome. So if we like it and we think our customer will like it, then yes. Amazing. Comes in. Yeah. What would be your biggest tips now that you've learned? You've, you've been down the road for 10 years that you would tell the person who's thinking retail in any capacity. I think, you know, it's, it's kind of daunting to think of yourself as, oh, a retailer, I'm going to start this business. I have to have a store. I have to have a website. Like, you know, you don't have to start like that. You don't have to have a business plan with like backers or anything like that because that's not how we started. Mm -hmm. And I find that a lot of people who are successful didn't start like Mm -hmm. that either. I think just like all those little things that excite you, that kind of feeling Like stay within that feeling. Mm -hmm. Don't overthink it and think you have to have this grandiose plan. Stay with that feeling of being inspired Mm -hmm. and then all the other steps will just um, come into place. Mm -hmm. Like whether if you want to start small, like if you have an Etsy store, I don't know, like all these apps that you can sell stuff. Like you do that and you find fulfillment through that. Mm -hmm. Like just keep doing that and it'll like organically something will happen and you'll, you know, you're on the right path Mm -hmm. when you keep feeling this inspiration. And following that, I mean, that's exactly what I did. I started the blog from literally nothing, you know, five years ago, I think, and it's evolved into, and it just showed me along the way when I stayed in that space, because I think it's so easy sometimes. I don't know if you guys felt like you went through this with the company, but veering off and being like, well, others are doing this. Should I do that? And and every time I did that, it would lead me astray. I always had to get back into authenticity and following that inspiration. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure too because especially with social media Mm -hmm. just everywhere, you feel like you're somehow not doing enough Mm -hmm. or you're not being proactive enough or you just feel all this pressure of how you should be doing things where that's kind of noise to me. I agree. So... I think if you stick to your gut and keep doing what creates this joy and inspiration in you, like that's like the greatest guide. Mm-hmm. I think that will open up like doors for you. Absolutely. You just right? nailed it on the nose. <laughs> I believe in it, obviously, with manifestation so much. So I think that's such a great thing that you shared. During this whole process or your life in general, what has been your biggest rock bottom moment? That moment of like crying on the floor, I'm going to give up or... Something was just too overwhelming. I think when my father passed away, Aww. that was like just a tra- like traumatic. Yeah. Um, was it expected or unexpected? He had cancer. So on some level it was expected, but I was in complete denial through the whole process. I was just like kept telling myself he's going to get better mm-hmm. which in hindsight it all he he was on his way like 
out, mm-hmm. really, because the cancer was too aggressive. It, yeah. Um, so I was already living in LA. He actually passed away a week after our wedding. <gasps> Thank God he was able to stay. Yeah. Oh. I think he held on for that thing to pass. And then he was like, okay, I can oh. go peacefully. Wow, so hard. Yeah, it was hard. So that whole period of getting married, father passing away, and then uprooting my life Mm -hmm. in Korea and everything to move to LA where I had uh, no family or friends or a job. And Korean culture is such a tight community of family and friends. Yeah, I I only had Kevin. Yeah, that's so hard. Which which was great. Like, I moved here for Kevin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the first year in LA was really challenging. And we had just opened the store. Jesus. So all of the grief from my father's death was just kind of suppressed Mm -hmm. because I was just kind of distracting myself with like settling into LA and opening a store and all of that. So after I opened the store, it kind of like all crashed down on me. Like a wave. Especially because... Having your own business is really stressful. So stressful. It's a lot of pressure and a lot of questions that, oh, am I going to make it? What am I doing? Doubts and fears. Mm -hmm. And then there was the whole father and not being in my own country. Mm -hmm. It all just turned into this huge thing. And it one day I realized that this could be like depression. Yeah. Like it could be, this could be actually a thing, mm-hmm. not something to brush away. Yeah. So there was that moment. How did you support yourself during it? Um, my husband actually suggested that I go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming from Korea, that's yeah. not really common in our culture. Totally. Everyone... You have to be like mentally like Sound. really crazy yeah. to you know see somebody. Yeah. Here it's so normal. Like yeah. kids go, like you know, it's yeah. just a thing. Back then I was like, how like how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. How dare you suggest this to me? But he's obviously thinking, oh, this is gonna be helpful for you. You need yeah. to get it out. Yeah. So yeah, he I was like, there's no way. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a waste of money. But finally, he convinced me to do this uh, retreat mm-hmm. for myself mm-hmm. in, up in Napa mm-hmm. for a week. And after I did that, it kind of really opened up this new way of looking at wow. the world. Yeah. So it was incredibly helpful. It was. What yeah. was it called? It's called the Hoffman process. Oh, the Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very similar to our process. In yeah. a way, you're just stuck there. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. We actually just had another guest on who kind of talked about her experience. A lot of like the community has done the Hoffman or they're curious about it. What would you say were the most impactful processes you went through there? Well, I never thought that my parents had so much influence on me and my negative patterns or like my strengths like all of it is so intertwined Mm -hmm. with your parents and their parents and all of that it just gets passed down to you I never looked at things in that way but once I acknowledged that all of these question marks and all of this angst it kind of just settled down awesome and if something comes up 
I now know how to like just kind of analyze it myself mm-hmm. and put it to rest. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy you're sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for any, because a lot of my clients who I've had from Asian cultures, it's exactly what you're talking about. Like, don't feel your feelings fully. Sometimes don't follow your dreams. You know, you kind yeah. of fall, you continue cycles of, or especially education is like at the forefront it's so of everything. Conservative. So conservative. It's so like, it's a little too conservative for me. Yeah. It's from a loving place of like survival and being successful, but I think it's really important to talk about this to destigmatize that. So it's like like we were saying before really getting into that intuition and that gut feeling and following your inspiration. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. It's really great. Yeah. What would be, now we can move on to my other normal question, because in this work, people are always doing shadow work, reparent work. It's, all, it's a lot of the stuff that you did at the Hoffman Institute. Mm-hmm. What would be your biggest um, inner child limiting belief that you picked up in childhood? I think um, because my parents were from a generation of kind of like right after the war yeah. in Korea. So their whole philosophy in life is like you have to work hard Mm -hmm. you have to not do things frivolously Mm -hmm. you're supposed to just always be diligent work hard save money Mm -hmm. get like a job with security it's Mm -hmm. all about this being secure secure with money and comfort and being safe that kind of thing absolutely and so you're brought up in this environment and it's like everyone, the whole society is like that. So you're brought up in this environment where you think, oh, I like to be artistic Mm -hmm. and I want to do sports or something that is not a very secure occupation. Mm -hmm. You're kind of discouraged from all of that. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people, like that's their calling and that's their passion. And if they're allowed to do that, they could flourish. But Absolutely. a lot of people are just combined into these boxes of get a secure job. In Go like, to school, get married, have a retirement, die. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So I, that is like really ingrained into me. Yeah. And moving to LA, well, I wanted to break free of that. And that's why I wanted to go to Italy. Yeah. That was my first step to breaking free of, you know, all of that. Programming. And then... Moving to LA, it got momentum because now I'm surrounded by everyone who thinks like me. Totally. So that was, I'm very grateful to be living in this kind of amazing community. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of that has actually just gone away. Yeah, because it still pops up here and there, but I know how to deal with it now. Oh, such a good thing to share. <laughs> what would be your advice for the person? I call them my transplants. It's always like the person who's manifesting a move to another country. So what would you say to the person who really wants to make that move, pending visas and all the things that come with it, but wants to do it, but is afraid? What would you say to that person first? And then secondly, how to navigate that loneliness and that a newness of a new environment when you transplant? I think you should, if something in you is telling you that you should move to this place and you really want to and it excites you and you like have this amazing vision of yourself there, I think you should pursue this. Yeah, absolutely. Pursue it because, yeah, it's like a sign. It's a soul calling. Yeah, usually. something's calling you. So I think you should follow through. And if it's daunting in any way, I mean, there are ways to get there, like whether it be 
I mean, you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like once you do research, once you really want it, you'll do the research. You'll figure out a way Mm -hmm. to make it happen. I believe that that's how it works because I wanted to go to Italy. I made it happen. Yeah. I wanted to. How easy was that to go from Korea to go study in Italy? Would that have been considered normal and common? No, because I was 26, and by that time, you need to be kind of looking to get married. Yeah. So my parents were like, why are you going to study now? <laughs> You're supposed to now just find a husband. Yeah. And, you know, you I, had to, <laughs> I had to persuade them. And just ask them to like give me one year, mm. and after this one year, I'll follow the traditional path. traditional way. Like, but you have to let me get this out of my system, mm-hmm. otherwise, I'll question it and it'll brew and fester. Mm-hmm. You have to let me get it out of my system. So I did. I re- I did the research. Mm-hmm. I figured out like a school that I liked. Figured out how to pay for it. You know. If you really want it, yeah. you'll figure it out. <laughs> totally. Such good advice. So much expanding in that. Yeah. And then when you got to LA and you were overwhelmed, obviously by grief, but also the loneliness and the newness, yeah. how did you navigate that space and time? Or how would you suggest to somebody looking back now that tools that would have been very helpful? Yeah, there was a lot of things that were missing in my life. Like I didn't even have a driver's license. I was, you know, in LA, it's kind of hard. There was no Uber or iPhones back then. I met some people through Kevin and LA is kind of a lonely place where it's hard to meet. Yeah. You just, yeah, it's hard to meet people spontaneously and stay in touch. So I was lucky enough to have like a few close friends through Kevin who are still like, they're like family now. Wow. So I got two friends that, you know, that were there. It was a beginning mm-hmm. and slowly but surely it grew, especially once um, once I got my own thing, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is my domain. This is what I do and I'm happy doing this. Mm-hmm. My community expanded quickly. So fast, yeah. And yeah. they're still my community actually. Mm-hmm. Like from the get-go, they're still there. I think... It, you know, if you're just doing what you love mm-hmm. and you're just sharing, it's not, it comes naturally. I agree. Right? I'll attest to that as well. Like the moment I launched the blog, which I had no idea I would be doing, my whole community exploded after that because, you know, for lack of a better word, we were in that energetic flow, that state of like inspiration, owning what we do. Um, I think that's a huge part of literally manifesting community. It just is a natural flow after that. Yeah, it sounds really out there mm-hmm. i guess but it it's true yeah it's crazy how that actually happens it's amazing <laughs> so follow your dreams <laughs> i'll do it Pretty much. there's magic in there i love that yeah. what would you say would be the biggest shadowy aspect of yourself you've had to wrestle with like maybe the not good enough or those real things that kind of harbor on your back still today of proving yourself yeah i struggle with sometimes i struggle with I'm not good enough. I'm not working hard enough. It's a really bad habit, but when you start comparing yourself to others, it really sucks the energy out of it you. It eats you alive. Yeah, yeah, and like all the inspiration you had in the morning, by like by the time you get to work, it could be already drained out of you totally. just because you started going down that path of, oh, why can't I be like this person? Or why, you know... Um, that's Absolutely. that's like one of my 
weaknesses, I guess, and that I try, like I consciously try to not do. Mm-hmm. I think every single person can relate to that one, <laughs> <laughs> especially with, like you were saying, social media and stuff these days. It's so in our face. It's so prevalent. But yeah. really, it is our authentic. Yeah. You know, gifts like you have. You, you guys have a very incredible gift for aesthetic and intuition of what to curate. It's that's what sets us apart. So I love that you honor that and you do it. I'm grateful because I have a story to shop at. <laughs> I love. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. You guys have now started, like you mentioned before, the line smock. You know, you had the store for so long and then you decided to create your own line, which I think you guys manufacture in Japan. It's incredible quality. I'm a huge person that will not buy anything that's not 100% of a material. It has to be 100% wool, cotton, like nice materials. And your guys' stuff is fantastic with smock always. How did that birth? Why did you create this and put it into the planet when you're already surrounded around clothes? What was sort of the inspiration behind it? Well, after you do your seasonal buy and you choose what you like from each designer, you see like these gaps where, oh, I wish there was this in here. It would like make make shopping so much easier or dressing so much easier. Even just looking at my closet, I'm like, I'm missing this kind of thing, but I can't find it in my store in our seasonal buy. And that's kind of where it started. We're like, maybe we should make it ourselves. If we just couldn't find the exact thing that we're looking for, we should just make it ourselves and offer it in the store. And that's how it started. Amazing. (laughs) I think about that all the time. (laughs) My fiance, he has a line, it's called older brother and I'm, it's gender neutral. So I'm always like, I'm missing this basic. Can you make this? And he's like, not really. But he, for me, he's always like, let's private label your own line, but we're completely zero waste and stuff. And I'm like, I would rather just support other people's lines. (laughs) But there's so many things that I'm always like, who can I 
be like, can you make this sort of thing for me? So I'm so glad that you guys actually took the lead on that. And you're like, we're just going to create this incredible product that has yeah. gaps. I mean, every designer has a different point of view and they make what they think is the perfect thing. So yeah. it's just our perspective, you know? I love it. And so are we seeing Smock is going to expand a lot in the store? Yes. Now okay. that we have a store, we'll be able to offer more. Okay, cool. Yeah, just awesome. to complete the whole universe. Now it's not going to be just a rack. It'll yeah. be like, you know, a store. And is it primarily going to be like basics and solids? And There's going to be a lot of things that you can use as like the staples, mm-hmm. the building blocks of your wardrobe. Mm-hmm. But we'll, there's also going to be, you know, interesting textures, interesting cool. colors. And we're exploring that now. Now that we have the store, now we're like, oh, there's more room to play. Like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. So exciting. Yeah. How has you just became a mother a year and a half ago, essentially? How has that transformed? A, what were you expecting uh, as a business owner? And B, what was the reality of it? I thought I would be back at work yeah. after two months. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, two months maternity leave. And then I can go straight back to work. And obviously, I didn't do that. I, I, I think I, I was still working remotely, but I wasn't back in the office until like on a regular basis until at least six months. Wow. Wow. It was just too overwhelming for me. Yeah. And you see all these people who just seem like effortless. Yeah. To me, it was kind of difficult, mm-hmm. but you know, everyone's experience is different and I got through the hard part and mm-hmm. now now it's much easier. Now, now, I, now I feel like there's a real balance okay. and I, I have learned how to schedule myself, delegate, keep the home work balance like healthy. And what would be your biggest tips for the business owner, the entrepreneur or the mom or the, the mom who wants to be an entrepreneur? How, what would be your like golden nugget tips that you've figured out so far for you that you put into play for delegating, for scheduling that make it a little bit easier? I think it's, uh, for me at least, it's not a good idea to multitask. Mm-hmm. I found that if I focus on one thing, I would get it done so much faster mm. instead of, you know, having the baby here and me frantically trying to write an email while, you know, watching this baby. Like it's just it's like you're split in half and you're only giving 50% of what you should be giving to both things. Mm-hmm. So to me, I would just say create the boundaries mm-hmm. for home and work mm-hmm. and keep it kind of separate mm-hmm. so you can give your all to each thing. Mm, I love that. I love that. <laughs> what have you found to be your sweet spot of like 60 here, 40 there? How does that, or does it change all the time? Well, during the week, it's kind of split where it's more, there's more focus on the work. And I spend, I spend more time working at the office and watching Bowie. Mm-hmm. But then on the weekend, I'm 100% all Bowie. Present. Yeah. yeah. So there's that trade-off. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think that's healthy for me. Mm-hmm. Because, Which will be healthy for him. Exactly. Because I I feel like I need to continue to feed myself. Mm-hmm. I need to be happy to have a happy baby. I agree. <laughs> What's his little sign? 
He is a Leo. <gasps> wow, you guys had a Leo. <laughs> you guys have like a big household. A lot of, there's a lot of energies right? in those. Yeah, wow. He He's so, so cute. <laughs> and I saw that you guys, I caught this post. I mean, it's so funny because I catch some of your posts, but I really, this one, it must have obviously, you know, hit high on the algorithm. But was it true that you guys were held to gunpoint when he was little? Yes. What happened? I was just shocked too that it happened in our neighborhood. Wow. I was walking um, Bowie at around seven. We do our nightly walk before his bath time. Mm -hmm. And he was strapped into my Bjorn, baby Bjorn. He was facing out. And we were just walking, rounded the corner to our house, ready to go in. I opened the gate. As I, you know, as I was opening the gate, I saw this guy Mm -hmm. out of the corner of my eye right next to us from opening his car door and he had a huge gun, like wow. a rifle. I saw that and I, I thought it must be a toy or something. Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. Is like, because it seems so, life. yeah. Yeah. So unreal. I was already just like in, out of my body pretty much. I was shocked. And so I just kept walking and I was like on autopilot. I just kept walking up the steps to our house. And as I was taking the first steps up, Again, I saw the gun raise, mm. like the long gun raise, and then the clicking. <gasps> oh, oh! And my I heard gosh. that, and that's when, like, my instinct just told me to run. Yeah, so, you did. Thank God. So I ran inside. <gasps> um, I think our nanny saw me, saw my face, yeah. and was like, "What happened?" Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Just don't go to the window." Yeah, yeah. I closed the door, put down the <gasps> shades, and I just, we just. And I called my husband. I was like, you know, shaking like this. My voice was shaking and Bowie was still strapped in. He had no idea what was going on. (laughs) Oh my God. And so nothing came of it, meaning they just went away. A black Prius. (gasps) Caucasian man. Wow. That's all I remember. A young Caucasian man. God. And my husband was driving a. at that time, he was driving a black Prius too. Wow. And that's why I thought that was my husband's yeah, car yeah. driving up. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was this crazy guy. Wow. And he just went away. Yeah. After. Thank God. He just drove away. I wasn't even, um, I was too scared to look out the window. Yeah, so yeah, I didn't yeah. even know when he drove away. Yeah. But by the time the cops came, <gasps> there was no God. trace. You guys were okay. Yeah. Oh my God. It was really scary. Wow. Because I had never even seen a gun yeah in my life (laughs) i couldn't even imagine what i would do in that moment and thank god your instincts kicked in wow i mean it's just really important for people to have awareness around all of that and be aware of what's happening at all times and what for i want you to be an expander for relationships a lot of people are calling in their person they're with their people they're They've been with their people for a while and they're trying to have a better relationship. For you guys, everybody's a couple that goes through everything. What have been the most successful tips and key touch points to make it work this long for you guys? Well, it's also tricky if you add into the mix that you're working. Yeah. You're business partners as well as husband and wife. Yeah. And, you know, when you're business partners, you have to be more rational. Mm -hmm. Like you can't let your personal things emotional things get in the way so it's really hard to you know draw the line Mm -hmm. keep the boundaries so over the years I've realized oh we need to separate the 
the work and personal. Mm-hmm. Like whether I think right now it's like time. Mm-hmm. Like after working hours, we don't yeah talk do about this. it. Yes, nothing. And just respect. Obviously, you know how sometimes you can. You expect these things because you know it's your husband, mm-hmm. and you know you kind of you want him to indulge you in mm-hmm. these behaviors or whatever. But you know that doesn't make sense in the in the workplace. Yeah. You know, you just boundaries. Yeah. You know, cool boundaries, and I think that's that's helped us a lot over the years. To those people who are trying to manifest a partner. Mm-hmm. I didn't consciously, you know, manifest Kevin like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to do these exercises mm-hmm. and, you know, one day he'll like appear. appear. Yeah. I didn't consciously do that, but subconsciously I was calling out for that. What would have been the core things that subconsciously you were craving in a partner? I was really young when I met Kevin. So it started out of making like a mental list of, oh, Superficial things mm-hmm, completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, like appearance wise and job or, you know, all of the superficial things. I think things, everybody does right? that, yeah. <laughs> and then when you look close to it, oh, this superficial quality equals, you know, to this deeper quality. The core. Yeah, yeah. the core of it. So, like, once I started really thinking about that, it kind of crystallized more strongly in my mind like mm-hmm. oh this is this is the type of guy I should wait for not settle for these I whatever love guys that. oh yeah. yeah so like the more I thought oh this is the guy and I had to actually be that equal mm-hmm. for that guy to come to me mm-hmm. so that was an opportunity for me to work on myself so if I wanted this amazing guy who had all these qualities then I needed to be at least that much mm-hmm. for him to appear. Mm-hmm. Or they could be walking around you all the time, but they'll never see you yeah. if you don't match the qualities. You know? Yeah. Not like, I'm not even talking about superficial. Totally, it. totally. It's like yeah. the deeper... The worth is what I call yeah. it. Yeah. Like if you're not open or if you're not like lovely and friendly or whatever it is that you like, mm-hmm. then that person with those qualities won't see you yeah I love that they'll never notice you you just outlined our manifestation process very clearly (laughs) (laughs) so you're very intuitive like naturally following that and how amazing at 26 you already it's so interesting your soul I'm just gonna say that I'm gonna be out there really new you know I'm not going to follow this traditional path that everyone follows I'm not going to settle I know that I desire this this bigger partnership this greater life this more more creativity than what is being shown to me as possible and you held out, you worked on yourself and it appeared. (laughs) And the funny thing is when I actually met Kevin, like finding a partner was the furthest thing from my mind. I was just having the time of my life, Mm. basically. I was just doing anything I wanted. You know, I gave myself this year to just do anything Mm -hmm. I wanted, like get it out of my system. Were you guys in Florence or Milan? I was, we met in Milan. Okay. Kevin was moved to Florence the day after we met. Wow. So we went Florence, Milan for yeah, a few yeah. weekends, which yeah. is amazing. Oh, I mean, totally. I love both of them, especially Florence on the other side of the river, yeah. like the more artistic side, yeah. which has now been, it's like there's a raw food restaurant. I mean, it's crazy yeah, it's now. It's crazy now. Yeah. 
But yeah, I was just, I had this idea of like my future partner in my heart, I mm-hmm. guess. But I wasn't looking for him at all. And that's when he appeared. Totally. It's looking back, I was just, I'm astounded that we met. Yeah. I mean, it's so, uh, there's like a 1% chance there. <laughs> yeah. And that night that we met, I actually had to be like pulled out of my apartment because I didn't want to go out. Oh, you guys listening to that? Those pings, you need to listen to those pings. <laughs> my friend was like, no, you're coming out. Like she practically put my shoes on for me. Wow. And I was like, Okay, there's really I can't say no anymore. Yeah. Like my shoes are on now. So. <laughs> so I went down and like downstairs at the bar downstairs, we saw each other. That's incredible. And how did it feel that explosion? What was that like? How did you know that this was your person is a better way to put it? I think just the ease of it. Like that's there was always no, the case. There was no calculating of or like the playing game. Like I don't yeah. need I didn't need to play a game like oh playing hard to get. Yeah. Like oh can I should I text yeah. first or like all of that was kind of just it was gone like there was no need for it. So that's what I tell people every that was sort of my specialty was uh-huh. helping people manifest their partners and that's what I say you'll know because and I always use this hand motion it fits like this. There's no like you're saying there's no ego, there's none of that stuff. It's just such a flow. I mean, things come up, your insecurities and your shit comes up, but you guys aren't like, nobody's emotionally unavailable. Nobody's trying to blow another person off. Nobody's leading from ego in the sense of like, I better do this. So they like me. It's just a flow. Yeah. And, um, you know, cause you're meeting somebody, I met him in a foreign country and he's also a foreigner. So you kind of think, oh, is this going to work out or Mm -hmm. not going to work out? Like, you start guessing, but with Kevin, I didn't have to. Mm. Like those questions never came up. Wow. They're more like, it's more like, oh, this is amazing. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Yeah. <laughs> How has your Korean background played a big influence potentially in the company or your vision and aesthetic? I think aesthetically it plays a big role because when you look at Korean style, or just the culture in general, it's very simplistic and pared back and like people like being minimal and just chic. Like if you look at all these Korean fashion people, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's obviously like really trendy and out there people as well, but for the most part, people love pared back design. Amazing. It definitely plays a role in how like I buy and how I, I design. It reflects and it seems like you guys have an incredible, I might just be, you know, assuming this, an incredible balance with each other because you guys really tap into California cool. You know, you have like the beautiful kind of wabi-sabi but Asian chic minimalism. There feels, you can feel like the French and Swedish influence in there. You guys really hit all of the marks well. Yeah, we like, we like so many things. Yeah. It's just hard to like pick and choose Mm -hmm. but we just you know we just stick to what we like and that's our vision and it's amazing hopefully people like it hope that's the biggest takeaway today (laughs) (laughs) how did you guys know when it was time to scale and were you afraid to do it or did it just come very naturally well so we had this 450 square foot space in echo Mm -hmm. park and Somehow we heard about the space in Sunset Junction, which was like 
almost three times the size of our store. And the rent was like triple of what we were paying. And it was just a lot. Like We had to buy more. We were kind of scared, yeah. but a, our gut was telling us we have to do this. Wow. Thank God. Yeah. Wow. So the opportunity presented itself and we just followed our gut. Mm. Sometimes you have to say no. Yeah. Because opportunities always... They're always there for us. Like people are always calling us and like, do this. Why do don't that. you do yeah. this? But um, sometimes you just know that this is the one to jump on. Yeah. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But even when it doesn't work, there's always like these amazing takeaways yeah. that it's fine. And after the first that transition, that first jump, have the others been a lot easier now? Once you, you're like, up, oh, the next step is naturally Pasadena, and then Santa Monica. Has it been a lot easier? Yeah, it has. I mean, it's a lot of work, but since we've done it before, it's not an unknown yeah. thing where you're just guessing what it's going to be like. We know it's going to be a lot of work, mm-hmm. and we expect it, so it's fine. You have a model around it. Yeah. How do you guys navigate the unknown? Like, how do you jump off the cliff into that darkness of this might totally fail, but we're going to try and listen to our guts? Yeah, if, as long as you are in tune with your instincts and you trust them enough, I think that's what we've been doing. We just follow our instincts. We do research and all of that too, which any business person should be doing, but if it feels good and it feels right, and that's what we do. What? Here's my favorite question. <laughs> what are your favorite, um, what you're seeing forecasting as the style staples of uh, this season, so fall, winter, that we're going to you know, be rounding out and also spring, summer? What are kind of the staples you feel people, the, you can still be minimal but have these key accessories or this key jacket or basic? I'm really into outerwear mm-hmm. i mean we live in california it's so the it's, worst and for people who are of, into it yeah it's kind of hard but i i think for fall you should it would be nice to invest yeah. in like a camel coat yeah that's what i'm going to be investing in yeah for like a big piece mm-hmm. and you know ankle boots ankle boots yeah <laughs> how do you feel about the whole shirling shirling uh sensation i feel like it's going to be out in a year and a half I mean, I, investing in that like $1,000 jacket, I just don't think it's going to be around that long. What do I you think? I think it's a, it I can, trust it you can more. be a classic <laughs> okay. because I've had shearling in my closet, like vintage, yeah. more, more vintage, but I've had them in my closet and I don't get rid of it. Really? Yeah. I don't get rid of it. I, I just love um, fuzzy textures. Me too. I love texture in general. Yeah. Basic anything like texture weaves and a hundred percent materials that's what I go for so like the the hotness of the trend might fade Mm -hmm. but I don't think the thing itself will go away like I don't think it'll be irrelevant you could pull it out in a couple years and still be cool and do you ever, this will happen to me, I don't, I do not know where this comes from, but you know, like for instance, when something blows up so much, so like the Birkenstock, right? There's a point where you're like, now if I just wear this, it's cheesy, at the, you know, after it's kind of died out or Birkenstocks will clearly never die out with no. the right person and the right style. Yeah. But what do you, like, what are your thoughts on this? This is where I geek out about fashion. <laughs> I think trends will always be like this huge bubble where yeah. 
you see it everywhere. But if it's um, if it's a thing that you've always liked anyway, even if it dies out, you're you can still enjoy it and not be cheesy. Yeah, like yeah. one example is, for example, I would say, let's say Jesse Cam pants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so it was it's so huge. I, so I huge. think it's still huge. Yeah, and people are like. Is this going to be like this thing where it's like an it bag, mm-hmm. and then after it pops, you can't be seen wearing them? Anymore? I wonder that sometimes too, like five years from now. Yeah, yeah. But I, for me, that's it's really not because these things, if they come from like a classic thing, yeah, like, they they really are like sailor pants, like a real workwear thing. I don't see it ever becoming irrelevant. It might yeah. not be it the yeah. it thing. But I don't think it will ever be irrelevant. I don't think people will look at you and be like, oh, she's totally wearing <laughs> irrelevant last season. <laughs> whatever totally. whatever the it bag is, you know. Yeah, yeah. There, there are those brands that have that. Mm-hmm. And it's so huge. After it pops, you can't wear it you can't, anymore. You literally can't. You, you just have it in your closet. Yeah. And you can't even sell it. Totally. Because everyone's trying to sell totally. it. Totally. Exactly. It's a flooded market. Yeah. It's yeah. So it's it's hard to guess which one is going to be that or which yeah. one is going to be like an okay one to keep. But You have to have your instinct. It's good to have your instinct. Um, I believe things that are that come from like truly utilitarian or like a classic style that has gone through generations. Like a chore coat or, a, you know, like a pea coat yeah. and things like that. Like yeah. something, you know, the style that like Chanel wore. Yep, totally. Like it could be, it was probably like really popular. Then it had a moment, you know, maybe it had a moment in the 80s, mm-hmm. it had a moment now. Yeah. It'll have a moment again. But yeah. it's still, if you wear that piece throughout the years, no one's going to be like, no, especially if you own your style. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite things in manifestation, I talk about this a lot. Like you have to style to me is a projection of expression. It's an art, you know, it's it's yeah. expressing and leading with what you are energetically, subconsciously. Yeah. And I always tell people, like, I don't care what you buy and put on, if it's not aligning with the archetype in your mind. A great example was when I used to be an actress and a model, they would always put me in the box of like the hot chick, the pretty girl. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty androgynous. And like yeah. when you meet me, I'm just not that sexual. And it's just not my vibe. Yeah. So when I started to align the two, like the archetype that sort of lives in my subconscious and dress the archetype that's when I really expressed at my fullest potential yeah. what would you say your archetype is on a subconscious level or inside I'm also more of the androgynous one mm. I don't like to be loud mm-hmm, I like either. to be I like to just blend in the background I don't want to be noticed yeah. but I want to look put together mm-hmm. I don't know what archetype that is. If you were, if you were to like pick um, an old movie star, male or female or whatever, what or a model or somebody relevant, like a socialite or something or an artist, what would you kind of put your finger on if you could? And it could be a hybrid of of you know two or multiple. Something to aspire to, like Lauren Hutton. Yes. Something to aspire <laughs> to. Amazing. Like kind of effortless, but kind of mannish, but also so feminine. I love that. And strong. And like will always be classic and beautiful because she really owns her um, uniqueness, like her teeth and her hair and, you know, her skin and face. She just really owns that uniqueness. So it will always be classic and effortless. I love that. 
You guys have the perfect setup for someone who I think is going to have a story. You have the balance of male and female. What would you say, because you have the luxury of seeing from both perspectives, both of the stores that you have, especially in Silver Lake, what do you think are the key pieces for somebody who doesn't have a sense of style right now, male and female? What are sort of the, that you guys care, the carry the brands that you think right now are the ones worth investing in for this season, for instance, for as a customer, as a customer. Yeah. For guys, for guys, it's, it would be worth investing in some smock pants. Yeah. Because they're like the silhouette that we haven't been able to find Mm. from other designers. They're really comfortable yet really stylish. Like if you see a guy wearing them, you're like, Oh, he has some really good style. Mm-hmm. And like maybe a shirt from Dries or something. Great. Yeah, really. Just, you know, effortless pieces. That's The men's store is full of that kind of thing. Yeah. Where you can get these basics, but you, can, you don't have to ever get rid of them. Totally. And like women will notice you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be more magnetic, guys. So. Totally. And for women, yeah, again, I would get, I mean, I don't want to plug my own brand. But well, you guys obviously created it because you saw a gap in the market, so that's absolutely fine <laughs> to me. <laughs> I've actually been living in this thing called the house dress. Is it the white one? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's same. Like the one you have. Yeah, right? I've been wearing it both in our Mariposa house and here, and I layer on it. I wear like funky socks with it, and the clog Birkenstocks stocks up there, yeah. and then here I'll dress it with really chic shoes, yeah, like Celine shoes. You and can stuff. wear it with anything. You can, anything you yeah. can wear it totally casual. But then you can also dress it up with Celine shoes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can literally be a smock or like, you know, fancy. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And I would also maybe invest in, I mean, for fall, I would invest in a cozy sweater. Mm -hmm, To always. There's so many options. Like my friend Hannah, she just made these like Hansel from Basel. Oh, so talented. She has the huge cardigan right now. The huge cardigan. Anything from Lauren Manoogian. Which I just got from you guys a yeah, bit ago. Is, anything, really, anything that she makes is great for fall, winter. And you'll yeah. keep forever. That beanie she made this season. Yeah, it's so not practical, but I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's special. Yes, yeah, I mean, very special. You look at it and you feel good. Yeah. And, and it's a piece to have. It's sort of a... I feel like fashion's like art in a way, you know, when yeah. you have your true expression down. You can also dress it up in the house. It's it's a centerpiece that lives around, you know, your hat on a hat rack, your coat out. I think it's totally. really special. Your jewelry laid out in a beautiful way in yeah. your room. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I had one other question before we go, but it's failing me now. Um in terms of, because you guys have accessories and a lot of things going on, what do you think if somebody, if it's a woman who's wearing like all basics and, you know, like I did when I first discovered your store, I could only afford, I was so broke, but your store was always so aspirational. Like I could pop in and get the beautiful rose water, you know, yeah. you know, if I wanted that, or I could get like anything that was little that made me feel like I was buying into a lifestyle and also having this luxury item, even though I didn't have the money and the lifestyle to reflect it for that particular woman. What do you think are the key accessories um, that they can pick up? Because right now I know you guys carry Cosas. Is that how I say it properly? Cosas, yeah. Yeah. So bold lip, that's everything we wear as well. We work with her. Um, What would be some of those things that could really dress someone up who doesn't have the budget? 
all of the makeup that we have is just, you know, it's all natural, all ethically made and like yeah. local. It's just we're supporting these beautiful women. Anything from that category, I think, would help. Yeah, like just uplift your spirits. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, impulsively just buy something. Yeah. We have these beautiful hair clips too from mm. France. Ooh. Do you know that? No. This brand is very minimal. It has like two screws. Oh, is it the Sylvain? Sylvain, or, yeah. I yeah. love that. I have a couple of those. Like instantly your hair looks... So chic. Expensive, yeah. Yeah, expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Just like nice, you know, Absolutely. together. I love that. Um even if it's like a little, like just to indulge in the, like a little tiny wallet from Comme des Garçons. Absolutely. Like, that was one of my first things I did as well there. As, yeah. yeah. I, those little things, one day, like you're, you have this intention, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to be able to just buy this stuff effortlessly. Yeah. So you start little, mm-hmm. you buy this little thing and you feel amazing. Like, oh, it just... I just feel good. I got this thing. Mm-hmm. And you carry it around with you. And I think you kind of feed off of oh, the, yeah. the objects around you. Absolutely. So once you're surrounded by the little things, somehow you reach a level where you can get the next one. Yeah. Like weirdly, you are. Yeah. You kind of I mean, get more money. Yeah. Somehow it happens. Yeah. And like this is a funny, this is kind of off topic too, but... Um, We've been looking at houses. Mm-hmm. It's, and we're kind of weirdly obsessed with real estate. I am mm-hmm, mm-hmm. too. I look all the time. And I like going into these houses where it's completely out of your budget, yeah. but it's something that you want. And if, there, if that house happens to have an open house, I'll just go. Mm-hmm. Not because I want to buy, because but because I want to see myself in this house and I want to keep doing that so yeah. my body is just used to seeing myself. Yeah, and expanding. I feel like, yeah, it's expanding. Mm-hmm. So one day when I look at, when we're ready to buy a house, mm-hmm. it's going to be, it's not like a far off dream because I've seen myself in this position, yeah. in this space yeah. so many times that it feels natural. Totally. I should... I should be living here. Yeah, yeah. And you just you just nailed the expanding process. It's fantastic. Now slap on like a friend or two that you identify with that has a house like that. Bam, you've just expanded. So yeah. I, I love that you just keep t- visiting those friends who have yeah. your dream house. Exactly. Like, weirdly, one day you just os by osmosis. Yeah. You started. <laughs> well, we're so grateful to have you. Where can people find the e-commerce for the people listening online? I know, but I'm just having you say it. Oh, our website is <laughs> mohawkgeneralstore.com. Yes. And then what's the handle? Same, at Mohawk General Store. Mohawk General Store. Yeah, so for anybody who's interested, it's all available on e-commerce. You can get it online. <laughs> and if you have the, the luxury of being in LA, go visit. There's in Santa Monica on Main Street. It's a fantastic curation. Silver Lake has a fantastic curation. And the beauty of Silver Lake is you have one store that's a woman, one store that's men. So yeah. you have more going on in there. Yeah, and then... 
the Smock store Smock's soon. coming soon. Yeah, when is that? When do we expect it? Um, we're going to have the opening party next week. Oh, great. So it's opening right away. In November, yeah. Oh, cool. So you guys, when this is up, you can go cruise and go shop and it's all online. Thank you so much, Bo, for coming in and serving as a designer expander, a transplant expander, and then also a co-founder and business expander with Chic Style. So thank you. you. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Yes. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, we did. And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this You'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward, and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have, especially to our LGBTQ plus community, our BIPOC, as well as the WISE, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week.